Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. Isn't that true? Death is only the beginning. We celebrated Good Friday on Friday evening. A whole bunch of us were here. That was not live streamed, so there was just the, the group that was here got a chance to be together, be present, and uh, we talked about the death of Jesus. But death is only the beginning. I love this. I love this video, and I love the image of the water and baptism and new identity. Um, let me welcome you. My name is, for some of you who are new here today, my name is David. I'm the pastor here. My wife, Frank, is here today. We just uh, really welcome you. And for those of you who are regular Westsiders, you've rarely seen me in a jacket. And you're wondering, like, what is up with Dave? Like, was he okay? Did he get sick? Uh, did Franca do something to him? So, like, one of the, one of the actually younger musicians on our team uh, yesterday decided that everybody should wear suits. And I just got the email this morning after I was already here. So this was what I was going to wear. But then I texted my wife. I'm like, can you bring that jacket? I think I want to I, I match with the team, you know? So, um, so Alex and I matched this morning. So, uh, and he, he kind of pushed me into that. So that's it. And isn't it crazy? Yeah, like, I guess that's, this is, like, cooler, like, because if, if like 20-somethings want to wear suits, then I guess it's a cooler thing. So um, <laughs> anyways, anyways, all good. I want to read part of the resurrection story for you and then jump in to just um, immerse ourselves in this wonderful, wonderful climactic moment in the life of Jesus. Uh, Luke 24, verse 1 says this. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb Taking spices that they had prepared, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes, probably wearing suits, just joking, (laughs) dazzling clothes, stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And then they remembered this, his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they didn't believe them. But Peter, Peter got up. Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw linen cloths by themselves. And then he went home amazed, amazed at what happened. God, we just pause in this moment, and we invite you to captivate our hearts with this wonderful part of your whole story. We're so grateful we get to celebrate the risen Jesus. God, um, although it's so great to sing and sing the words off the screen, and um, it's an honor to share some words this morning, God. Lord, it's beyond our capacity for what you can really do in every single heart. So we pray for that this morning. In your name, amen. 
Have you ever had a, an experience that shaped expectations for the rest of your life? So I used to live in Toronto, and um, well, let me start off by saying something about the image you're going to see on the screen. Bumblebees are a wonderful thing. Apparently, they sustain our whole environment, like they support our existence, and that's why people are trying to make sure they don't go extinct. And I don't know all the science behind it. I just think that's, yeah, that's a good thing. But I should love them, but I'm afraid of them. I should love them, but I'm, or I have been. When I was a kid living in Toronto, we had this front porch, and it was a big concrete porch about three or four feet high, um, you know, and off the ground. And then in front of the porch, we had a whole bunch of bushes. And I don't know why back then prickly bushes were in style for some reason. They just like really hurt you if you got close. And so uh, we were, I was fooling around and, you know, to get, I don't know if a ball went in there or something. So slowly I got myself inside the bushes to get this ball. And um, this bee bit my knee. And I had like, I was like, I had no chance. It cornered me. Like the concrete wall behind me, the prickly bushes in front of me. And I, I had nowhere to run. And it just bit me. And I moved so fast. And my back hit the wall. And my arms hit the, the bush. And I was all scratched up. And my knee was thumping from the bite. And from that day on, from that bite on, I've expected bees to bite me. I just do. Now, I've gotten a little bit better. And uh, in our backyard, uh, when my wife sees me kind of freak out, she's like, Dave, they're not going to do anything to you. Just relax. You know, I'm like, but I was stung under, you know, in front of the porch. It was horrible. Anyways, I want you to remember this line. Our experiences shape our expectations. You've likely had experiences that have shaped your expectations too. Maybe, maybe the way you approach relationships or the way you approach finances or the way you approach work or how you trust people or don't trust people was likely shaped by an experience you had. And the last couple of years, our world, in fact, going back two years now, I remember uh, entering uh, Easter 2020 and it was very different, right? We just found out about this virus, and it was contagious, and it just set a tone uh, for society. And our expectations over the last couple of years have been shaped in certain ways. And, I, and, and it's just true, just how we interact, how we approach things, how we're you know, thinking about the next year, two years, or five years, uh, even our relationships. Expecta uh, experiences shape expectations. And I see this principle in this part of the story of the resurrection. The women and the apostles are, they, I mean, they have a certain expectation that morning when they wake up. They knew Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. They saw Jesus arrested. They saw Jesus flogged. They saw him crucified. They knew that he died. The women were there three days earlier with someone named Joseph and Nicodemus. We actually looked at that on Friday night. They saw him buried. There's nothing, nothing in their experience that would lead them to expect a resurrection. I mean, the women were heading to the tomb for one reason. They had spices in their hands to anoint a dead body. That's why they were going. They didn't, that was their expectation. The apostles were huddled together, grieving, uh, you know, just away from everybody over the loss of their friend and their leader. And while Peter has seen miracles or seen Jesus do miracles, Jesus was the one doing the miracles. And Jesus is gone. I mean, he saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, but Jesus isn't there. He's gone. And Peter didn't fare too well either. In the last week, he cut a soldier's ear off. He denied Jesus three times, once to a, someone that was probably 20 years younger than him, a little girl. 
their experience shaped their expectations. And I think it's fair to see it in this story. They had certain expectations waking up that morning. So by verse 5, you know, the, these two angels, or we will assume they're angelic beings, and uh, not men in black or anything, angelic beings. Uh, I'm thinking about the movie. Sorry, I just digressed. I just, I just detoured everybody off this story for a second. But, but here's, here's what they tell the women, right? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Because that's what they were, they were there looking for their friend who had died. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Great speech, but nothing in their experience tells them to believe this. Because even as, a, even as a Jew, they did believe in resurrection, but they didn't believe that it happened in the moment. They believed that it happened like down the road, in the future, at the end of history, or into new creation. Jews believed resurrection was promised, just not in their lifetime. And the, they only saw it in the future, at the end of time. And if someone died, resurrection would be coming in a Jewish mindset, but only down the road. No one believed that it would happen right now. So it wasn't a lack of faith that shaped their expectation. Some people read this story, you know, as those on the other side of the cross and say, like, the women didn't have faith or the apostles lacked faith. It's not that they lacked faith. They just didn't know that they could actually expect that. The apostles were no different. Verse 11, right? When they hear the words of the women, it says that the words seem to them like an idle tale. Like just, just, a, just a fake story or a fairy tale. And they did not believe them. I love what N.T. Wright says about this, and you can read this quote off the screen. He says, we shouldn't be surprised at how surprised they were on the first Easter morning. It was simply that nobody had ever dreamed that one single living person would be killed, stone dead, and then raised to a new sort of bodily life on the other side of the grave while the rest of the world carried on as before. And, and actually, I love their skepticism. I love reading this story and knowing that the women went there ready to anoint a dead person and that the disciples couldn't believe this at first. I, I like their skepticism because it makes the account more real and more believable. It helps us understand what was really going on. If the church wanted to make this up, if the church wanted to make up this story, they likely would not have exposed Peter's skepticism or the apostle's skepticism. They likely wouldn't want to have this kind of picture of like the first you know, key followers of Jesus didn't really believe him if they wanted to make up the story. They, they wouldn't have included the fact that women, who were unfortunately viewed less credible in that time period, were the ones bringing the news to the apostles who were men. But they're in the story. Helps us see the validity of this story. But this is a, it's a classic example of experience shaping our expectations. But something changes. Something confronts their expectations in fact, I want to describe it as something expanding their expectations. They had expanded expectations that day. The women see an empty tomb. They meet two angels. Peter runs to examine the empty tomb and leaves amazed because this dead person is gone. 
And Luke later tells us how Jesus appears to hundreds of people, and John tells us that he cooks breakfast for his disciples, and, and on and on we see just the validity, the, 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 just the, the proof in person of Jesus being alive. This dead person is definitely alive again. Their expectations are expanded. And verse 6 is important because when the angels tell the two women, they say, don't you remember that Jesus said this would happen? Don't you remember that Jesus said this would happen? Verse 6 says, the Son of Man would be crucified, and on the third day, he'll rise again. On the third day, he'll rise again. You know, a few of Jesus' greatest stories end with him referencing resurrection. How did they miss that? How did they miss that? Maybe they weren't listening. When I do some groceries and uh, sometimes I forget an item or I forget milk, my wife tells me, but Dave, I told you three times to get milk. And I'm like, are you sure you told me? And then my, one of my kids is like, we heard her tell you, Dad. We heard her tell you on the phone. We saw her text you as well. And you still forgot the milk, right? And so I get it. Okay, I wasn't listening. I have selective hearing and apparently reading on texts um, as well. But think about this. Let me ask you this question. How often do we walk around not hearing what Jesus really said to us? How often do we walk around not hearing what Jesus really said to us? Those of you who have been following Christ for a long time, and if you're new here today and you're, you know, you're, you're exploring faith or someone brought you and you, you wonder if Christians always listen to Jesus, I'm going to just set the record straight. We, don't, we do, but we don't. We want to, but we miss things. We hope to live as he calls us to, but sometimes we, it's like, did, he really, did we miss what he said? And Christ followers today, it just happens. And it happened, I'm assuming, to the disciples. They weren't expecting the resurrection. What you see is what you expect, but what Jesus says is what we should be expecting. And Jesus said, I've overcome the world. Jesus said he would rise from the grave. And as people begin to encounter the resurrected Jesus, something happens. Brokenness often turns into healing. Sin leads to forgiveness because of Jesus and the cross and his resurrection. Death turns into life. And then you and me, we have this promise, and the world has this promise. We read it in the scriptures today. We read it in the prayer. We sang it in our songs that when we put our faith in Christ, death has no victory. When we put our faith in Christ, sin and guilt uh, don't have a hold on us. There's freedom and transformation available and new life. That's this promise of Easter. But I guess they weren't expecting it because their experiences shaped their expectations. But then something changed that. But think about Peter for a second. I mean, in that week, he, he disappointed Jesus, he denied Jesus, and he watched Jesus die. So what's he thinking Sunday morning? His hope was gone. And I wonder if some of you feel that way. Like if, if you've, just even in this season, or even getting up today, if some of you feel this way, because here's the thing, and you can put these two things on the screen, your crushed experiences often turn into crushed expectations. And what you've been experiencing or have experienced or have known often translates into what you expect. And I just personally, this is what I, one of the things I've been sensing leading up to this Easter and, and 
God has confirmed that in a diff few different ways in conversations and to ask this question, do you feel crushed t today? Or have you feel crushed in this season? Has this season ripped hope from you in some way? Maybe it's led to despair. Maybe it's led you to stop getting up again to move forward. Maybe it's led you to live in sin rather than seek forgiving grace. Maybe it's led you to live in isolation rather than seek community. Especially these last couple of years, our experiences begin to shape our expectation. And an apathy maybe has set in. Maybe a sense of, of, of lostness or despair or not really feeling confident about the next day. And here's, here's the beauty of today. The resurrection expanded the first disciples' expectations. And my hope, and my hope is that it challenges mine and it challenges yours. Because there's still hope. The resurrection tells us there is still hope. Jesus is alive. Jesus resurrected from the grave. Jesus defeated sin and death. And, and when I think of both the Jewish idea of resurrection and then, then incorporated by Christians and then the Christian understanding of resurrection, when we bring it together, it's kind of two ideas. The Jewish one really influenced this idea of anticipated promise into the future. Christians brought in the anticipated promise plus available power in the present. And brought together, it really gives us these two beautiful outcomes of resurrection. The first one is anticipated promise of God's future resurrection. It's still a promise, and it's still available, and it's possible. And Jesus' resurrection made it even more concrete. The, 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 the Jewish idea, the Jewish thinking that one day God would renew all things, that one day resurrection is possible, that one day God will bring his creation into newness. And we don't just read this in the New Testament. We read it from the Old Testament prophets. We read it as we started our gathering today. That was an anticipated promise of God's future. But when Jesus rose from the grave, it's like people saw, oh, this is, oh, what's supposed to happen then is starting to happen now. It happened in him. He broke this. He rose from the grave. He went first. The scriptures often call Jesus the first fruits. And it's that anticipated promise that the future will be new. I see this like, the, the, I, saw, I thought of this image of the stock market because there's this thing called the futures. And like when you read the stock market and like apparently at night, overnight, there's some other trading going on. And then it says, oh, the futures are up. And that means that the stocks are going to go up the next day or the futures are down. And, the, and it, so it's like, it's like whatever's happening at night somehow reflects the next day. And the fact that the futures are up, stocks are going to go up the next day. There's this trajectory that overnight points move to gains the next day. And, and it just it makes me think about even this image of us waiting on Holy Saturday. Jesus died on Friday. We're waiting overnight, two nights. The futures are telling us <laughs> that something good is coming. The futures are telling us that new creation is still on the horizon. I have no idea what today's going to hold, and I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold, but resurrection promises that our future, your future in Christ, will be alive because Jesus already showed us it's possible. Isn't that amazing? He already did it. He showed us what the future looks like. 
But it's not just for the future, because as they, as, as, as early Christians started to unpack this and understand this and see the, the, just the power of the resurrection, they realized it wasn't just an anticipated promise. It was actually an available power in the present. The resurrection promise is in the present. Paul, the apostle who wrote a ton of the New Testament, experienced this. He wrote with such passion and life and often joy from a prison cell. How, would, how could Paul write with such joy from a prison cell? One of his letters to a church in a town called Philippi was all about rejoicing, and he's writing that in chains. How could he do that if the resurrection did not also give him an available power in the present and a promise for the future? And Paul wrote these words. He said, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is working in us. Those who believe. One of Paul's, one of my favorite prayers from Paul in Ephesians 3, he prays that our inner being would be strengthened with faith to know Jesus, that we would know the incredible love of God. He talks about how, you know, we can look ahead and know that God can do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. And in those three little steps in his prayer, every time he uses the word power. By God's power, you'll know Jesus. By God's power, you'll know his love. By God's power, he can do immeasurably more than you can ever ask or imagine according to his power at work in you. The New Testament testifies to this. I, I, I saw this in um, a story recently. Mike and Sue, part of our church community, they know this guy quite well. We're going to put him on the screen. His name is Ed Dixon. You guys know him, right, guys? They work with him uh, in Ukraine. Uh, Ed has been there for how many years? 15, 20, 30 years? I don't know how long. And, um, I mean, just look at his face. Okay, he's the guy without the mustache, by the way. And so the, the shorter guy. And uh, he's smiling. He's always smiling in most of his pictures. Um, when you look at this guy, now, right now, he's actually in Ukraine. Two weeks ago, he was in Ontario. Now he's in Ukraine. And I tracked his trip, you know, on, on Instagram and, and social media, how he had gone to Poland, and then was just, him and his friend were just anticipating, like, we're going through the border. We're getting through the border. And they're in Ukraine, and, and they had passed by the warehouse where a whole bunch of supplies and things were headed there, and he had secured uh, also routes for finances to get in through different channels to help these people. Ed, over the years, has grieved for the Ukrainian people. He bleeds for them. He loves them. And he flew there in the middle of a war with resources and aid. And he walks into a war zone with medicine and food and funds and the life of Jesus. And just this morning, I wish I would have made these pictures today instead of yesterday, but he, like, which is actually a tragic thing, but there was um, some warfare going on, like literally half a mile from him. And, there, and he's there. If you follow Ed, you know exactly how and why. And the how and why is because he has put his faith in the resurrected Jesus. He has experienced Christ. He's experienced his love. He's experienced his grace. He's experienced his life. He has allowed Jesus to lead him. When, when we talk about Jesus becoming one's Lord and one's Savior, one's King and one's leader, Ed knows Jesus in this way, and that has given him the joyful passion and vision to be present in Ukraine, even right now. The resurrection gives him hope. And because 
of his life and his future, he knows his life and his future is in the resurrected Jesus, that anticipated promise. He, he's betting on that. He knows. Betting's actually not the, great, the greatest word. He's certain of that. And he's certain because he's experienced the available power in the present. I love that. And that brings me to this one phrase in verse 7 that the angels actually tell the women that Jesus promised them. He promised them that he would rise again. I just want to borrow this phrase for us. I want to borrow this phrase for us, this idea, this phrase, this just this beautiful truth. Jesus says, yes, he will rise again. But remember, he also promises that for us. That's the anticipated future but we can also experience glimpses of it today because it's the available power. And it's not because we're Jesus. It's not, I'm not going to rise like Jesus in that specific way now. But it's because his promised future for everyone who believes in him and follows him, we can rise even in this moment. Even if you feel like your expectations have been crushed, you can rise. In the next week or the next months or the next season, even if we go through difficult times, even if the pandemic continues, even if we hit another rocky patch, even if we can be people who rise again because we're in the resurrected Jesus. Amen? That's the truth. And, and those of you who maybe are listening today or following online and you're like, well, I, I, I want to sense that. That's possible in Christ. I think so many of us have had our expectations crushed by our experiences. In the last couple of years, we just have to read the data that anxiety has gone up and depression has gone up and isolation is rising. And so what do we expect? We expect more anxiety and more depression and more isolation. And some of us have felt less peace and less joy and community has been broken. And so what do we expect? We expect less community, less peace, less joy. But the resurrection breaks through that and says, no, Jesus wants to expand our expectations. The resurrection of Jesus says that, no, what you've experienced doesn't have to be your expected future. You can have something different because Jesus is alive. And so there is this rising hope. We rise with it in Jesus. And it has nothing to do with the stock market growing or, or dropping. It has nothing to do with more wars or less wars happening. And as much as we pray and pray and deeply pray for the war between Russia and Ukraine, or the war against Russia to cease, we pray for that. But you can still have rising hope even in the middle of this. And we're watching and witnessing, not just people like Ed who have gone over, but Ukrainian Christ followers that are rooted in the resurrected Lord, and they have a rising hope. That's possible. It has nothing to do with the economy or geopolitical ideas, because Jesus told us and showed us in the resurrection what our true future looks like when we're in him. He showed us. When we believe in him, when we follow him, he showed us. Now, some of you still need to have your expectations expanded because you haven't seen it. When you don't see something, sometimes it's hard. You know, my wife and I, for our 20th anniversary, we planned a trip, and it was this, I've never been on a cruise ship before, and so we did this cruise from Amsterdam to Barcelona. I, every single place we visited, I was never there before. 
So I had no clue, like, what to expect. I'm like, is Amsterdam going to be good or bad? Or, and it just, every city, every town just kind of blew my imagination. We're walking through the streets of Amsterdam, and I'm like, this is amazing. I love this. The people I, we met in the hotel and other things we saw, there was this little town in Brussels called Bruges. It was hundreds and hundreds of years of history. Um, there was, like, they brewed beer there that they brewed beer for the last, like, 300 years. I'm like, I'm sitting here at a 300-year-old brewery. I don't get this. This is crazy. Just expanded my, my imagination. And sometimes we can't imagine what Jesus promises us because we haven't been there yet. We haven't experienced it yet. It's hard to know what the future will look like, what new creation will look like. I love what N.T. Wright says about the first Christ followers. He says, the gospel is good news, not the least because it dares to tell us things we didn't expect. The gospel's good news, partly because it dares to tell you and me things that we didn't expect. I'm going to invite the team to come up. I want you to think about this. The women that day who brought their spices to the tomb, the disciples who were huddled, some apartment, wondering what's going to happen. The good news was that it told them it told them that what's happening, you didn't expect. And that's okay. That's, that's good. That's actually good news. And why I want to tell you that is that we know the resurrection happened, but what we don't fully comprehend is the beauty of new creation. And the good news is trying to tell you. It's, it's daring to tell you. It's trying to confront you and me. We don't know what to expect, but it's amazing. And so here's my invitation to you. And I want you to think about this as we just move forward today because so many of us often, I think it was um, G.K. Chesterton that said that something along the lines that Christianity is not found um, wanting but usually untried. Meaning that it's not that people try or attempt to explore Jesus and find something lacking. It's that usually they don't try to explore him at all. And that, then they miss what could be, what should be, what will be. And the gospel dares to tell us, we don't, we're gonna be surprised. Our expectations will be expanded. The fact that God can reconcile and restore, that God wants to reconcile all things to him through Jesus Christ, including you and me, including broken relationships, including the struggles of our world, including the, the struggles that we walk through. So here's my invitation to you. I want to invite you this Easter to, to a rising hope, to a rising hope. Because like I said, I don't know what today is. I don't know what tomorrow is going to be like. I don't know what the world's going to be like. And I love the image that we saw in the video before where it said tomorrow the world might be the same and the world might not even notice that you're different because they don't want to acknowledge that. And I love the image of baptism right there, that, that, that in baptism, in following Christ, there's a, we receive this new identity, this new future, this new promise. And so my invitation to us today is this rising hope. Even if we've had crushed ex experiences, 
And even if those experiences have led us to crushed expectations, I want to call us today to this rising hope forward. And I want to think for you to think about it in this way. For, firstly, maybe there's some people here watching online that just don't know Jesus. And, and you, you don't know Christ, but you've been exploring and you've been maybe learning with us or maybe tracking with us online. I met someone on Friday night who he, he showed up and uh, he said, you forced me to come tonight. I'm like, I don't even know you. I've never met you. And he said, well, you, you advertised that there was no live stream available, but I've been watching for two years. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was crazy. I'm like, well, I'm glad we forced you. But what, what I mean is that I don't know how long people are exploring or looking or trying to discover whether here or with us, in friendships with us or online. But if you don't know Jesus, I... I want to invite you today to get to know and follow Jesus, to begin a relationship with him, to, to put your faith in him, to trust in him. Just to consider who he is, what he's done, that he's risen from the grave, that he showed us the future, God's future, and he invites you into it. And to step into that and say, I want to follow Christ. If that's you today, I want you to be thinking about this. Maybe you need more time to explore, and that's okay. I'm going to invite you to some next steps. Because Peter, I love reading that. You know, the, the disciples thought it was an idle tale. And that's like, you know, that's not abnormal for some people to encounter a story and say, like, is this really true? I, gotta, I want to spend some more time figuring this out. So maybe you need to run to the tomb yourself. You need to run to Jesus yourself. You need to get to know Jesus through the Gospels and maybe through a church like ours in the environments we have and the weekends we have and the, the groups that we have and the conversations we have. But be ready for your expectations to be challenged and expanded as you begin to meet Jesus. Maybe for some of you, you're just struggling, whether you're a Christian or, or not. You're just struggling, and this season has beat you up, and you feel hit by it. And so my invitation to you to Rising Hope is to surrender to the empowering power of the resurrection and to allow hope to rise again in you through Christ. God is calling you to that. He wants that for you. And if you... I just want to make some space this morning if you want to be prayed for. And if you fit in one of those categories, and even if you don't, and you're just like, I just need to be prayed for. I just want to just take this time. I don't really do this, but I just want to really take a moment, make space for us to allow God to work. And I want to pray, pray for you. And if that's you, if you need prayer, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something we, we don't often do. I'm going to ask you to stand if that's what you want, if you either want to make a step of faith in the way, or even in what I just asked now, if you just want to surrender to the empowering power of the resurrection, because you need hope to rise in you. You might have been following Jesus for 10 or 20 years, or you might just begin to, or maybe you're just here today and you're like, I, I want to be prayed for that. And so I'm going to invite you as the team is playing, just to begin to stand. I want to pray for you because maybe God is calling you in this season to rise. And I don't, I don't say maybe, he is. Maybe it's to serve again. Maybe it's to love again. Maybe it's to give again. Maybe it's to hope again. Maybe it's to care again or pray again or reconcile again or forgive again. 
So I want to pray for you. And so if you want prayer in this moment, I just invite you to stand. We'll take some time and give space for that. Don't miss an opportunity to even internally make a step of faith in standing. Because I believe that God longs to work in your life and in your heart. Even just that simple step of saying, I want prayer is simply saying, I need God to work in me right now. Regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, I need God to work in me right now. Just stand, I want to pray with you. Bless your name, Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you, God. Work deeply in us, Lord. Easter is about to make space for God to work. Don't be shy about making space for God to work. He longs to work in you. He loves you. He wants you to know your anticipated future and the available power in the resurrection today. God, we pray right now for those standing and even those who maybe are standing in their hearts because they didn't feel comfortable getting up. I, I know what that might feel like at times, Lord. I just I lift up these individuals to you, Lord, that have just expressed this longing in their heart to rise up again in hope. Lord, you know their struggle, you know their past, you know what this season has been like, you know how it's maybe crushed their expectations for the future, you know how maybe it's led them to be distant from you, oh God, but you also just offer fresh life to them today, and I pray for them, Lord. Lord, may they know the resurrection power available to them in Christ. Lord, may they be able to have fresh eyes to see tomorrow with hope. In Jesus' name. And God, I pray for some that have either stood or indicated in their heart, Lord, that they long to follow you. God, I pray right now in this moment alongside them, with them, with their, their prayer, with their decision, God, to know you and to trust you and to to follow Jesus, Lord. Will this, Lord God, may this day be the beginning of a fresh journey for them. Where they can truly know the life that you offer them in Christ. As they determine to allow Jesus to lead them and guide them as Lord and King and Savior. God, as they just bring themselves fully to you as they allow you 
to examine their hearts and see all the messiness of their life and brokenness and rebellion and sin and yet welcoming the grace and forgiveness of Jesus that this weekend represents, God. May they know it so deeply. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.